Welcome to the Ditch the Suits podcast, where we get real about the stuff no one in the financial world wants you to know about. Learn how you can better manage your family's wealth while protecting it from financial exploitation and so-called financial advisors. Here's to your financial awakening. Welcome your hosts, Steve Campbell and Travis Moss. Well, welcome to another episode of Ditch the Suits Podcast. Steve Campbell here. Before we kick off this last part talking about multi-generational planning, we've been laying the groundwork that we know you may be listening to this because you want to be able to do something meaningful for your children, your grandchildren. You want to make sure that you're doing the right thing. We've talked to you about some of the different considerations with multi-generational planning. Uh, we've talked about what to consider when uh, and what you can start to give and how to go about doing that. But one of the biggest questions that we hear from people is when then, how do I know when to get started? Is there a certain time? Should I delay? What are some of the things that I need to start thinking about? In this last part, we want to start to understanding how this should be a fun process. Uh, this should be exciting for you. Yeah, you can share as much information with your kids as you'd like. You can be as private as you'd like. But if you want to get started somewhere, we want to start to share some insight as to how you can get started as you're thinking about leaving a legacy to your, to your children. So as always, we hope that this message inspires you. If it has, please subscribe, leave a comment, because you never know how your words could resonate with somebody else. And we hope you enjoy this conversation as we wrap up multi-generational planning and what you need to consider. So in the last segment, we talked about that Travis and I have actually presented many times this idea of aging with dignity. And this is really just talks about how do you want to age as you get older in life? Inevitably, we're all heading towards being older. We're not going to be here someday. There's a lot of factors that go into how we want to age, but not only how we want to age, but do we want to leave something to our children as a part of our legacy? This is the idea of multi-generational planning. In the first part, we had talked about maybe some factors or considerations in multi-generational planning. Uh, in the second part, we just looked at just this inheritance conundrum. What do you do? When do you start? But then the question that we always get when we present to people is, how do I actually get started with this concept? So Travis, when people ask this question, how do I get started? It's a noble question. People are here to learn. What are some things that they need to think about in terms of getting started with multi-generational planning? You have to start with emphasizing the fact that this, these types of issues tend to be fairly private for a lot of people. Some people aren't. I work with some people that are like, yeah, I tell my kids everything and my kids tell me everything. That's great. Um, most situations, there's there's more privacy involved um, where people are insecure about some things or they just don't talk about things or they're a little nervous to impose or overstep because they don't want to create any kind of weirdness, I guess. So I think when you approach this, so let's say that a client says, I think I'm going to do some multi-generational planning. I want to talk to my kids about this and, and figure out how to, how I can better help my kids, Yep. you know, or, or how I can better use what I have because I know, you know, it's not so important to them, but it might be important to get it over to the grandkids. So how can I set this up correctly? I think you have to start out by emphasizing this can be as private as it needs to be within reason, meaning for instance, Let's say that a parent comes here and they're working with me and they've got two children and the children's situations, you know, that they, they're not, they're not super excited about kind of peeling the onion on their situations in front of mom or in front of each other. That's fine. If there's a broad enough team, person A can go over with that, that planner over there, person, you know, child B can go over to that planner over there and mom and dad can deal with this planner here. And then the planners themselves get together and work kind of behind the scenes as far as what do they know collectively about the three different situations. Sure. 
you know, stemming from the parent situation down, but yeah. the, the parent and the kids themselves aren't privy to all the information. Because what does the parent really need to know? The parent really needs to know future tax situation of the kids, if there's any immediate needs for the kids, um, what the kids are doing for things like college education, or if they're able to fully fund retirement, you know, those types of things, yep. because then they can decide, you know, it, is it important for me to gift now? Should I be gifting directly to the kids? Should I be gifting to the grandkids? Like, what's the best way to do this? What's the best assets to give to them? You know, tax brackets, that kind of stuff. And even from an estate planning standpoint, if I have one asset that one of the kids will pay a minimal amount of taxes on and one asset that the higher tax bracket kid will pay like no taxes on, maybe I'm better off splitting those differently than just 50-50. Yep. And so, so that's the information that parent needs to know. What kids need to know is, you're going to end up getting an 800,000. You know, so you could say dollar amount, you could say 800,000, or you could say, because again, back to privacy, you're going to end up getting a large inheritance that's going to be all essentially income taxable because it's a retirement account. Right. So what I could tell you is that your future tax brackets are going to be really high. If I give you a dollar amount because the family's kind of open to it, then that's that's a little bit different. Yep. But if I can't give you the dollar amount because the family's more, you know, quiet about it or private about it, then at least I could say in your situation, creating this future tax bond when you get into your seventies, because you're saving up so much money in a retirement account and you're actually overfunded for retirement. And then you get this huge, you know, pile up on there from your parents that also is going to create taxes in those years. Your tax bracket's going to go through the roof. Perhaps we should start putting money in different places like Roth 401k or, or after-tax yep. accounts and stuff like that, because we want to try to control the pace of the taxes. Yep. So, or, you know, you're, you're doing certain things, maybe you're investing in a business, kids are starting a business or they're investing in a business and maybe they're, they're doing things a certain way in their business so that they can still max out the personal side of things. Um, they're trying to hedge their bets, but knowing that they're going to get a potentially large enough inheritance that would take care of the retirement needs, they might handle their business in a very different way, or at least right. a large chunk of it. Yep. So not that they, and I've talked to kids that even if they know they're still, they're like, we're pretending that's not there and it's not going to happen. We're still going to do our thing. Yep. Um, but at least from an advisory standpoint, we can say, yeah, but don't do that over there. Shift that to over here. Be, still save, but let's let's tweak that a little bit and 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 try to meet in the middle between what might happen and and what is you know what you're pretending won't ever happen. Yep. Just to make sure that that we have a little bit more flexibility down the road. So you can do it with numbers where you're pretty explicit about ballparks because it's always just going to be ballparks, or you can be fairly private with it and just say. It's a chunk of money and the planners know, and they can basically talk in generalities about, you know, that's going to be a tax issue that that period of time. So we're going to want to reduce that bill for you. Yep. So even with ongoing gifting, parents can just say an easy way to do this is I've got some money that my advisors told me I need to get out of my, my estate for planning purposes. So I'm going to work to try to get that money over to you. I kind of need to know the best way to get it to you and the best kind of method tax wise, you know, if you can occur, you know, what you might do with it. So we, we've had clients where we asked them before, okay, you've got stock X, you're going to give that to the kids. What we want to know is, are they going to hold it or are they going to sell it? Because if they're just going to hold it for a long time, we might give them something different. And if they're going to sell it right away, we yep. might give them some, you know, give them this one. 
Yep. And so it could dictate what we're doing. They don't have to know broad dollar amounts or all the details of your portfolio. So, so just yep. emphasizing that it can be as private or as wide open as you want it to be for each party involved, I think is really um, disarming for the nervousness that goes around it, right? Nobody wants to be judged or compared. And frankly, you might not want your siblings to know what you have. So you might be like, I don't want to participate because I don't want my sister or my brother knowing my resources, you know, or my parents. So, you know, you can, you can have those layers of privacy there and you can still work with other advisors with what's the, the agenda here is for the people who are working with the parents or the people who are working with the kids to get information that they otherwise could not get on their own. Right. There's a lot of financial literacy too, as you're just talking. I mean, even the people that we have that come in to meet with our team the first time, there's some people that don't even realize that they're 401k traditional account is taxable when they take it out. They just put money into it. And when you tell them that someday when they take their money out of their account, they're going to have to pay taxes. People are like, I do. I didn't know that. Yeah. There's a lot of financial literacy and, and ideas. So if you're you know saving money your entire life in a pre-tax account and you've created this massive you know couple million dollar account, but you've never paid taxes on it, if you passed away suddenly and you're a widow or your spouse passes simultaneously or something happens and this gets passed on to your child who's in their late 40s and they have a couple hundred thousand dollars all pre-tax, you're creating a really big potential taxable event, you know, for them. So I think it's understanding some of these terms that you're, you know, pre pre-tax retirement money you're going to have to pay tax on someday. So then it's using the resources that you have to again put your kids in the best position. And I think what you're talking about is you got you got two frames of reference. You have the way our team is built, right? Which is we have all these planners that work with different client demographics and clients. It's all still one team. So it's not just serving any one individual, but we all work collectively with our clients. So that one planner, you can be working with mom and dad, but two of our other planners can have two different adult children and all have their own experience. Or you may have an occasion where you have mom and dad who have advisor X and maybe another advisors at another firm. So it's really understanding, again, how to get information so that, again, an advisor can't do their job appropriately to best advise the client as a fiduciary if they don't understand all the moving parts that are involved. And I think this kind of goes into kind of having an intermediary or a long-term result kind of orientation when you're thinking about multi-generational planning. Well, we don't want to remove or discourage the kids from working with a planner that they found that they trust if it's different than what who the parent works with. That's not sure. the agenda there. But getting an advisory team on the same page normally is going to bring some discounts to the to the overall cost structure. Yep. And it can make a profound, you know, five, six, even seven figure difference in net outcome financially to the kids. So yep. Even if the kids have different people that they work with from the parents, the parents have different, you know, that there's just different parties involved. Most of the time, the kids are going to be able to get information through this process and go back to their planner and say, you know, whoever their person is, whether planner or they're just an investment manager, whatever they're doing and say, this is what I need to be planning for because, you know, here's the details of what's going to happen down the road. So it's, it's the process is not designed to be exclusive of other professionals. Other professionals can be included in it, but there's a role for them to play. And I and I think that, you know, people should strive to have an intermediary working with their family that's focused on the long-term results. Sure. So focused on mom's and dad's situation trickling down to the kids, trickling down to the grandkids, which, you know, 
one of the points there is, is if your you know, retirement planner or financial planner, whatever you want to call them, is as old as you are, and they've got 20, 30 years on your kids, chances are they're not as long-term planning oriented as the kids are. And they're going to have a connection issue. In fact, one of the biggest issues within the financial industry right now that firms have is working with multi-generations of the same families. Most of the time, the kids don't retain the parent's advisor. And that probably is somehow related. I don't know the real cause to it, but I'm going to guess it's probably in a lot of ways related to the fact that the parent's advisor probably tends to be a lot older than the kids because they're probably working with somebody they found 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. So, you know, having somebody who is focused long-term and is going to be around long-term, you know, as part of this, whether it's a firm with a strong bench, so there's an entire team working there or, or, you know, if it's just a solo person and, and they're as old as the parents, then that may not be the right solution. But so longevity and long-term perspective is really important because what you're really talking about, you're the payoff for good planning when you're talking multi-generational could be decades in the making. You're not going to actually see the real benefit. It's kind of like watching your kids grow, right? If you see them every day, you don't notice how tall they get. But if I visit you and I see your kids once every four months, I'm like, holy cow, they must have grown like three inches every time I see them. Right. That's that's the perspective, you know, of um, of this whole process. And I think one of the one of the things that you have to be aware of too is the financial industry is disincentivized from wanting you to engage in multi-generational planning early. What do I mean by that? Because if you give away assets now, your financial advisor is probably making less money. Either they're not selling you an insurance policy or they're not selling you an annuity or they're not managing your investments and charging you fees on it. So it behooves them a lot of times not to bring up this idea that, geez, you have an extra $2 million. You should give it to the kids. Every now and then they will, because it'll come into like the estate tax kind of discussion. And a lot of times then it's more of around an insurance sale or something like that. But uh, for the most part, most of the clients that, that I've worked with over time, if they're coming from another advisor, they've never really had the discussion of, this is the discretionary money. And I'm concerned because I think we need to do a gifting plan yep. to get ahead of these taxes or future taxes or based on your overall financial agenda. And uh, so when are we going to enact this? Again, it's a disincentive that most advisors disincentivize from it because it would cut their comp. And so, so park right there. So people understand what you're talking about. If we just talked about that, you work with an advisor and let's say you have a $5 million account and you know that there's a million or $2 million that you can gift to your kids, but your, your kids may not use the same financial firm. Maybe they do it on their own or there's a, a financial firm over on the side. If, if an advisor is charging you basically a percentage to manage your portfolio and on a million dollars, it's whatever percentage it is. If you take $2 million out of that, in essence, what you're doing is cutting their compensation because they're taking the money out of the account and putting it somewhere else. So when you're talking about that, 
you would like to believe that there's not conflicts of interest in the financial services world, but we're here to tell you that there can be. Now, it doesn't mean that every advisor is not necessarily going to bring it up because it doesn't incentivize them, but the mass majority of people may not because if they know they get paid one way and doing something could potentially hurt them, then they may not be as incentivized unless push really came to shove to bring up these type of topics. But when you're also then talking about working on a team, if you're talking about you know children that have planners within the same company or the same firm, and there's not these conflicts of interest, depending on the nature of the relationship, if they're a fee-only planner, if they're a fiduciary, then really they have to advocate in your best interest and do what would be appropriate for you and make those kind of recommendations because they're not being compensated to do that. So if you're not aware, we have recorded a number of podcasts to really share the nature of how our financial services works, how financial advisors, financial planners, investment managers, wealth managers, uh, all these different names that you hear, there's, there's only a few ways that advisors, planners can be paid. And I think it's really important for you as a consumer to ask these questions. How are you paid? How are you incentivized? Are there potential conflicts of interest? Because then you need to have some kind of filter when you're doing big decisions to know are you really looking out for my best interests? You know, So when you're talking about this idea of gifting and some of these things, I think it's really important for people to know. I think then one of the big things, right, is you want to make it easy coordinating all of this, right? So what are some things that people can do to make this process easier to coordinate as much as possible? Well, it, you you just covered a broader topic there, but I think it's important to because I think it does make it easy yep. is who you're dealing with. Sure. So there are let's say three different categories here that you can deal with. You, you've got a fee-only advisor. And this is important. This, this is you know how you make it easy. Yep. You've got a fee-only advisor, you've got a fee-based advisor, and then you've got a broker slash, slash agent. So a broker slash agent is going to sell you stuff. You're just buying stuff from them. It's, you're paying a commission every time you're buying life insurance. If you don't know what you're paying somebody, you're dealing with a broker or an agent. And then you've got fee-based. So a fee-based advisor can do broker stuff or can do, you know, just the fee stuff where they just charge you a flat fee type of thing or a percentage thing. The problem with that is how do you know when they're just selling you stuff and how do you know when they're on the hook for being a fiduciary? Yep. And then you got the fee only. Fee only basically just about everything you do with them is under a fiduciary standard. And it's all in their agreement. When they have an agreement that says, hey, you're paying me for ongoing financial advice, they're a fiduciary and it's nonstop. Everything they do has to be in your best interest. And if that t- means telling you to give away your money and, and therefore they're going to take a, a pay cut, that's required of them. Yep. Otherwise, it's called self-dealing and, and you actually have recourse on them for doing that. So yep. the fee-only world has some built-in protections that the other you know, two options there don't, I think for people. So, so I obviously am partial because I'm a fee only advisor. So I always recommend that, but there's some logistical reasons why you want that. So you've got fee only, I think, because it can create trust. And I think when you have trust, it makes it easy to take the advice. Yep. Right. When you know that there's, there's, there's no other way for them to make money on you here. (laughs) So, um, so I think that that's important. Other ways to make it easy. Pick up the fee for the kids. Mm-hmm. Make it so they don't have to pay anything. They don't have to make a decision done. Yep. Make it so they don't even have to be a part of the discussion of, oh, mom and dad, I don't want you to pay for that for me, but I won't pay for it for myself either. Fine. I'm paying for it. It's covered. Part of the deal. Group discount or whatever you want to call it if you, to sell it to your kids. Yep. 
You know what I mean? But pick up the fee. And, and, and again, if you're dealing with a fee-only advisor, chances are you're probably going to get some kind of family aggregated discount type of thing going on there. If you're doing this planning and you don't know what the fee is, so you don't know how to pick it up for the kids, again, you're probably not doing dealing with a fee-only advisor. You're probably dealing with somebody who's you've got to worry about some other conflicts going on. So it yeah. should be very, very transparent. You want to make it as easy to coordinate as possible, meaning you know, create ways that the kids can deal directly with the people, the team that's working with them uh, and get out of their way, basically let them do their thing. But I say as possible, because sometimes it just needs to be a little bit more complicated because sometimes situations are touchy or sensitive or, you know, there's some sophistication that needs to be taken into account, especially if you have family businesses and other things like that. So as much as most people want to have like a quick solution, sometimes you got to take your time and the solution is going to be take a little bit longer and be a little bit more complicated, extra meetings and stuff like that. But but ultimately, you know, we want to, uh, where were we? We were emphasizing privacy and situational awareness. We yep. have an intermediary that's long-term results oriented um, and make it easy and coordinate as much as possible. Pick up, you know, make it simple for them to be part of the process, to not have to make as many decisions just to be there and be a part of the process. Um, and then the last one is make it fun. And so for parents, my best advice that I can give to you for your kids, don't lecture them or judge them. Yeah. And I know that you're coming from a place of help. You want to help them, yep. but it comes off as judgmental sure. and that frustrates them. Yep. So what you want to do is you want to use your advisor and leverage your advisor. And this is why you want to really think about who the advisors are that are working with the kids. You don't want the advisor lecturing the kids either. There's a lot of advisors out there that know everything Mm -hmm. and they're going to talk down to the kids or talk in vocabulary that makes no sense to them at all. Yep. You don't want that. You want people, we're talking to the kids, not down to them. We're partnering with them, right? Mm -hmm. This is a a family business. This is your money machine. Yep. You know, your money business. And our goal is to optimize it for the family. Yep. And the family's got a couple different, you know, key people. Got the parents, got the kids. We're mm-hmm. gonna, you know, you have to go in and you have to talk to people at their level um, with respect to them. So a lot of times we always joke with this, but parents could tell their kids that they're blue in the face. They could give them the best advice in the world because they go, "Yeah, right, mom and dad. What do you guys know?" And then they come home one day and they go, "Oh my gosh, guess what I heard?" And you're like, "Yeah, literally, I told you that 15 years ago." That's life, and it's because you're the parent. Yep. So every now and then there's a family where there's this great balance in the family where everybody kind of like listens to everybody and they make great decisions. But most families, you know, we'd rather listen to some um, online blog that we have no idea if it's right or wrong than what our parents have to say or what our siblings have to, the people close to us have, have, have to say. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes it's bad. So just realize that that's human nature. Mm-hmm. and and play on it let them you know set up a situation where they're going to get information and right. let them absorb that information and just sit back and smile and be like that's awesome they got the point yeah that's where you want to come from you don't have to make the point let them if you have good a good advisory team the advisory team is going to get them to the point you're trying to make and you don't have to say a word yeah. Because that's a lot of times it's holding all this up. It's it's the anxiety of 
the interaction or the relationship, or if my kids find out I have money, I'm going to be the bank or, you know, whatever it is, it's, there's, there's concerns around that. And for kids, it's, I don't want my parents in my business. I don't, you know, it's, and so the more that we can do to make it fun, to remove any kind of lecture, it's not about you doing it right or wrong. It's about, wow, if we did it like this, this is how cool it could turn out for you. This is how great it could turn out. If we don't do it like this, we have to expect this scenario of options or this, this, this option of snare. Did I say that right? These things could happen to you. My mind's thinking faster than my mouth right now. So these things could happen to you, you know, and, and, and like no judge zone, ask as many questions as you want. I don't expect you to know this, right? This is, this is what's IRD mean? What's an IRA? What's a 401k? You know, I haven't been doing that. I thought it was, I, I literally, literally have had people say, well, I thought the 401k thing was like a scam because why would the government not tax your money on you? All right. Well, let's talk about what that is and how it works. Yeah. Laugh a little bit about it, you know, have some fun. Well, and he talked about, so we've covered in this little conversation about multi-generational planning, that there's taxes involved. There's the way that we use the money. It's understanding the nature of your kids, how they handle money, what would be best for their situation. We've talked about to gift or not to gift and to when, how to get that started. What are your priorities? Making sure you're taken care of. We've used this word experience about um, giving money to your kids so that you can create an experience financially or maybe an event. But I would also say that there's an experience with a financial planner that's also extremely important. We just kind of shared with you the three ways that an advisor or planner can make money. Um, maybe you are working with an advisor because you're retired, you have money that you are investing somewhere, so somebody's working with you. Um, I had found, you know, a lot of times um, an advisor may throw the kid a bone because mom and dad are a big client. So they want to spend some time with them to at least make sure that they've made an introduction. But you also want to make sure that the planning is also genuine on behalf of the planner and to make sure that they're genuinely interested in your kid just as much as you are. And it's not just to appease you, to show you that, oh yeah, bring your kid in, I'll talk to them. But when you're working with a fee-only planner that's advocating as a fiduciary, there, there may be, you know, your kids in your 30s, 40s, 50s that many times have never worked with a financial advisor because they've never had money outside of their 401k to have somebody charge them, you know, to manage their money. So they've never actually talked with a financial professional. I, I think what's very cool on our end is when we have parents that have referred their kids to us uh, and they want to come in and start dealing with a planner. So I think setting your kids up, not only from the experience of the events and the financial, but also if you have a great fee-only planner that you're working with and they have a team of people not only have these conversations now, but maybe make an introduction. Maybe there's a planner on staff or somebody that they can speak to in order to make sure that they're having all of their bases checked so that when this money eventually does come, they're making some really good decisions. So we've shared a lot over this series of multi-generational planning. We want you to understand that it can be complex, but it doesn't have to. So how did we get from it's more complex than just checking beneficiaries to have fun, no judgment, and make it a good experience, right? There's a lot in between. But I think if you have people on your behalf advocating for you, uh, you're willing as a couple, if you're married, to start having these conversations now, but also keep those fun and start dreaming a little bit so that you know what you want to have happen with your money, both while you're here and after you're gone. You want to start potentially having these conversations with your kids based on how much you want to share is up to you. It can be totally private, or you can start to be fully transparent with your kids, whatever's important to you. But just know that there's a lot involved with gifting 
um, that you need to be aware of because it is your money and it's your life. And you want to set your kids up with success, not only experientially, but tax-wise, their estate situation to make sure that their, their families are taken care of. So we hope that this uh, series has inspired you to maybe think different, to ask great questions. One thing you can go out today, if you work with a planner, is ask them, how are you compensated? Right? You know that there's three ways. So we've just given you some th things to empower you. Ask these questions. You are the consumer. You have choice. So make sure that whoever you're working with is advocating on your behalf. And uh, we appreciate you stopping by. And until next time, thanks so much for your time. Thanks for listening. Ready to ditch the suits? Remember, it's your money and your life. For more information, visit seedpg.com. That's seedpg.com. If this podcast has impacted you, we ask that you subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. And be sure to share with a friend.